Music played loudly, laughing rang out in the air, and the dancing on the dance floor was uninterrupted by the rolling of the ship in the seas. Suddenly and without warning, the ship began to drift, heading right toward shore. But once she reached the shores of Coronado Island, who was going to be responsible for the mess? Welcome to Shipwreck Sunday. My name is Eleanor. Just a quick disclaimer for our younger audience before we dive in. This story may be disturbing to some, so viewer discretion is advised. Okay, everyone, let's get into it. First of all, we have to thank a particular viewer for this week's episode. Thank you so much, Reed. He is a five-and-a-half-year-old young lad who loves ships and shipwrecks, even ships like the Edmund Fitzgerald, so you know he has impeccable taste. I'm so honored to be able to cover your favorite ship this week. This one is for you. In the case of SS Monte Carlo, we see something very interesting. Concrete ships. At first, I assumed this was for ships hauling the ingredients for concrete like some giant sea cement mixer. But oh no, it is far cooler than that. During World War I, steel was needed in many areas but was hard to come by, and so to reduce the usage of steel, President Woodrow Wilson approved the construction of concrete ships on April 12, 1918. This would be overseen by the Emergency Fleet Corporation, or EFC for short. In total, 24 ships would receive the go-ahead to be concrete wonders, but only 12 would become reality before the signing of the armistice in 1918 that ended World War I. Most of the remaining unbuilt ships were cancelled, but a final 13th ship was already under construction at the Liberty Shipbuilding Company Yard in Wilmington, North Carolina. She was the runt of her litter, born after the war and in need of a purpose. This ship would become SS Monte Carlo. As of right now in her story, she was named SS Old North State, and she was the third design number 1070 class concrete oil tanker built, with her two older sisters being Sapona and Cape Fear. She was ordered in 1918 and launched in 1921, and it is believed she was completed with the temporary name Tanker Number no. 1, and was probably used by the U.S. Quartermaster Corps until 1923. But this isn't confirmed, so take that with a grain of salt. We do know that she was purchased in 1923 by the Associated Oil Company of San Francisco, and then repurposed into a commercial oil tanker, then receiving a new name, S.S. McKittrick. Before we get any further into the story, let's take a look at her specs. SS McKittrick, as she is known right now in our story, was 300 feet long, had a beam of 44 feet wide, and a height of 24 feet tall. In metric measurements, that's a length of 91 meters long, a beam of 13 meters wide, and a height of 7.3 meters tall. I don't have her exact displacement, but her sister ship, Sapona, was just under a third of her length and beam and displaced 2,795 gross register tons. We do know that her U.S. official number was 2223209, and she was equipped with one single Nordbird triple expansion steam engine, meaning that she was definitely not a speed demon, being a very large, heavy, and majestic ship. This single Nordberg's triple expansion steam engine was standard for all of the EFC concrete ships. She was quite the heavy ship. So feel free to take a load off and enjoy this episode. If you're enjoying this video, leave me a like, subscribe to the channel for more content, and let me know down in the comments section below. Okay, let's look more into her service history. 
S.S. McKittrick would serve Associated Oil Company loyally for nine years, serving the West Coast. Unfortunately, dear listeners, she was sold for unscrupulous purposes. Because her hull was made of concrete, this made her sway less in the waves. And because she was extant during the Prohibition, she would see a life of partying. For our younger audiences, let's go over the Prohibition for a moment. The Prohibition era in the United States lasted from 1920 until 1933 when the U.S. government passed the 18th Amendment on January 16, 1919. This amendment to the United States Constitution banned the production, importation, transportation, and sale of alcoholic beverages in the U.S. People in the United States still wanted to consume alcohol, and so they would bootleg it into the country aboard ships, make moonshine in the woods, and go to secret nightclubs and bars just to get a taste of their favorite liquor. After a nationwide hoopla, the 21st Amendment would be passed on December 5, 1933, repealing the 18th Amendment and thus legalizing alcohol once more. This is the era in which SS Monte Carlo was born. She was sold to Ed V. Turner and Marvin Schollweiler and gained the name SS Monte Carlo. They repurposed her once more, converting her into a party ship. She was then used for drinking, gambling, and harlotry, all of which were illegal in the United States during the Prohibition era. Being operated by Anthony Cornero, she quickly became popular, becoming the largest gambling ship operating off the California coast. She began her partying days alongside two other gambling ships of their fleet off the coast of Long Beach, California on May 7, 1932, which coincided with the 1932 Los Angeles Olympics. Because of fears that she would be shut down or raided, she was moved out to international waters off Coronado Island in 1936. The reason this made her safe was because she was now outside of California law enforcement jurisdiction. I'm going to take a minute to define jurisdiction in the legal sense. Jurisdiction is the power of a court to adjudicate cases and issue orders, or the territory within which a court or government agency may properly exercise its power. Essentially, SS Monte Carlo was out of bounds, and so law enforcement couldn't touch her. Her customers were quite happy, though, with the water taxis and ferries carrying her customers to and from the ship. However, they were taxed heavily to try and undermine the financial viability of the business. Business was booming for SS Monte Carlo. And our patrons are the bomb. This episode couldn't be possible without our lovely patrons. Thank you all so much. If you'd like to support the channel and future episodes, go to patreon.com slash shipwrecksunday to join. All right, my friends, it's time for the sinking. Unfortunately for the partygoers and for SS Monte Carlo herself, the sea isn't always calm, and she'd run into some stormy weather. In 1937, her luck ran out. She was anchored three miles or 4.8 kilometers in international waters away from the coast of Coronado Beach in San Diego, California on New Year's Day. The waves buffeted the ship, hitting her over and over in the stormy seas, and at some point, her anchor lost its hold. The ship was then freely set adrift, drifting up onto the beach right in front of what is now the El Camino Tower of the Coronado Shores condos. Well, here's the bigger issue. Now that she was on U.S. soil, she was a legal issue. She herself and everything being done aboard the ship was illegal and could cost a lot of money and time in prison, so no one stepped forward to claim her. She remained there, and still she sits. And you can see her in King Tide. A King Tide, by the way, is a non-scientific term describing exceptionally high tides that occur during a new or full moon. You can also see her during a very strong rainstorm or very strong winds, and at low tide, she is visible underwater. 
From time to time, you can even see her from the shore of the Silver Strand. Where she rests is now coined as Shipwreck Beach, and that credit goes to a Coronado writer and historian in 2005, though for the life of me I can't find which writer this is. The wreck is enormous and has a few openings that make pools you can swim in. Some divers have dove in and crawled from compartment to compartment, stating it was eerie. Please do not do this unless you are a trained dive master, as it is also incredibly dangerous. There is a rumor that possibly there is $150,000 worth of silver dollar coins in the wreckage, but this isn't confirmed. According to the late lifetime resident of Coronado, Mr. Edward Bud Bernhard, he'd recovered hundreds of dollars from the shipwreck as a child, and he'd be quoted as saying, quote, I'm convinced there's $100,000 in gold and silver coins deep in that wreck. SS Monte Carlo isn't the only grounded concrete ship. Several of the EFC concrete ships have grounded, including SS Sapona, which grounded near Bimini, and SS Palo Alto, which was purposely grounded. Both of their wrecks are also popular tourist destinations, just like SS Monte Carlo. All in all, SS Monte Carlo is a fascinating piece of history that stands the test of time. For young five-and-a-half-year-old Reed, and many others his age, it serves as a gateway for a love of ships, shipwrecks, and ship history. Thank you so much for the idea, Reed, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you liked that story and wanted to hear something similar, check out our Cargo Ships playlist in the cards. Stay tuned next week for the story of SS Kaiser Wilhelm de Grossa, a German ocean liner that was scuttled in World War I. Thank you for tuning in to Shipwreck Sunday, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.